Hello and welcome to the Daily Zen Podcast. My name is Charlie Ambler, the creator of Daily Zen. Daily Zen lives at thedailyzen.org, medium.com slash at dailyzen, twitter.com slash dailyzen. And for those of you who enjoy what I do and want to support it, there's a premium version of Daily Zen with extra weekly essays and podcasts available at patreon.com slash dailyzen. Um... We're up to, I think, 108 subscribers, and uh, each each episode, each new thing that I post on there, there's some sort of new depthful discussion that occurs, which is encouraging for me, and I think if you have an interest in this stuff, you'll enjoy it. Um, today, I want to discuss a passage from the Tao Te Ching. Um, it's a very quick one, but I think it encapsulates a lot of the ideas that I try to describe and explain um, here. The quote is, express yourself completely, then keep quiet. Be like the forces of nature. When it blows, there's only wind. When it rains, there's only rain. When the clouds pass, the sun shines through. And when we meditate, we start to pick apart the natural flow of what's going on in our minds. We start to understand more not just what we think because we're not grasping onto any individual thought but we're sort of exploring how we think and watching and observing and listening ourselves and listening to ourselves and seeing what pops up when we just sit and allow our mind to be um, still because it's never completely still it's always doing something sometimes not even with our active effort and so when we just sit and we focus on some sort of neutral focus point like our breath or a mantra or whatever, the stuff going on in our minds becomes auxiliary, it becomes secondary, and we can kind of observe it from this different vantage point, whereas we're usually engaging with it in a very direct way, we're, we're interacting with it rather than observing it. Um, but when we observe it, all of these non-essential things first become apparent, and then they fall away. So all the worries that we have about bad things that might happen, all of the ambitions we have and plans for the future, all the ideas we have about other people, our political and religious ideologies, all this stuff becomes seen for what it is, which is temporary and mutable and always sort of changing according to how our experience and how our environment changes. And so... To me, this passage from the Tao Te Ching, along with many others, I mean, it's a text that if you've been reading me or listening to this for a while, you would know that it's pretty much my favorite spiritual text. And I think, honestly, in in terms of Zen, it's the most important because Lao Tzu expresses this fundamental simplicity by embodying it. I mean, the language that's used is very, very... Um, efficient and simple and nothing unnecessary is included. Um, And so what does it mean? My question for this brief time we have together today is what does it mean to express yourself completely and then keep quiet? You know, what does it mean to remove all of the non-essentials from your life? And what would the world look like if everyone removed the non-essential things from their lives? Now we can take this idea of non-essentialism in a a literal sense where, you know, we're removing all of our enjoyment activities and our hobbies and our unnecessary leisure conversations and all of that stuff. But it's not really that. Um, it's 
something that we have to see from a non-utilitarian, non-functional point of view. The essential things in life aren't necessarily just the things that are useful. They're not necessarily just the things that help us get by. They're the things that we uncover within ourselves that are unchanging, that are always there, the, the forces and the inspirations and the motivations and the desires and the attachments that we have no matter what. Um, and we start to understand what these are and how they work more when we meditate and we can observe the mind in its natural state, as I was explaining earlier. So when, um, I think, I think it was Ram Dass, it was either Ram Dass or Rumi, I can't remember who, who said that, uh, the, uh, the quieter you get, the more you can hear. Um, so if we picture our relationship with ourselves as being a relationship with anyone else, um, if you have a relationship with someone in which you're always doing all of the talking, you're never listening, you're never understanding a different point of view, you're sort of just using them as a backboard for all of your thoughts and ideas and all the things coming from you and your ego, uh, you're not going to understand them very well. They might understand you because they constantly are hearing everything about you, but you're not going to have a complete relationship because you're not going to know anything about them, basically. And the irony is that we take ourselves very seriously and we take our minds very seriously and we trust our thoughts very sincerely but we never take a second to listen to ourselves and to have a sort of dynamic relationship with ourselves or a multi-sided multi-dimensional relationship with ourselves we always use our minds to accomplish tasks to feel feelings to think thoughts and we never step back and observe what what's going on in our heads uh last year i went on a meditation retreat, uh, which was, I was very generously invited to by Jason Garner, who, if you're familiar with Daily Zen on Twitter, you'll know that I um, am an avid supporter and uh, admirer of his life and ideas. And um, he has a very interesting life story, which um, it would it would take me too long to do it justice on the podcast. So maybe I'll focus another episode or have an interview with him or something. But he introduced me to the Zen teacher, John Tarrant, who led this retreat. And John Tarrant has this wonderful prompt that he expresses very regularly to his students, which is, what is it like to be you? And it seems like a simple question at first, but if we don't listen to ourselves and we don't really have the experience of, of observing ourselves neutrally and knowing what it's like to be us, we don't really know. And any answer to that question that's produced from a place of um, of trying to use the mind as a tool to accomplish tasks or trying to use yourself to get yourself somewhere else is going to be misguided. It's probably the answer for a lot of people is probably something about their careers or their families or their beliefs or, you know, what they do on a daily basis or something like that. Uh, and that's all well and good. But I think the real essence of the, the question, which is more of a Cohen in the Zen tradition, which is a, a prompt meant to incite, um, to produce insight in us and sort of help us explore this multivalent way of thinking. Um, the intention is to get you to really step back and think, what is it like to be me? You know, what is the, what is the fundamental essence of who I am? And what are the forces of nature, as Lao Tzu would say, that produce all of this extra stuff that I have in my head and which stuff is essential and which stuff isn't. Um, and that's when we really get to 
what's essential and what's not. Not when we think about what's most useful to me, uh, what makes me happy, what makes me feel good. It's more when you sit and observe yourself and, and have an objective experience of who you are and you get to know yourself better in that intuitive way, you start to realize that certain things you do are completely unnecessary. Um, certain things you suffer over completely unnecessary. Some of the things that you're very dearly attached to or, or very um, reliant on are completely unnecessary. And not only that, but a lot of them cause us a great amount of suffering and, and confusion throughout our lives because we don't take that time to understand ourselves better. Um, we think that certain concepts and ideas, thoughts, feelings and ideologies and uh, ways of communicating with others, all these different things, we think that they're essential when we don't reflect. But then once we reflect, we realize that there's there's sort of this nuanced way of understanding ourselves that doesn't require us to adhere to these various things. Um, I see I see this probably most commonly on Twitter, obviously, because it's where people seem to just kind of excrete thoughts without reflecting on them. But it's an interesting case study for me in seeing the ways that people choose to express themselves that aren't personal. Uh, most of the time it's political. Like I'll post a quote and people will relate it back to something that's happening in politics. But then when you start to communicate with these people and you see that they identify extremely strongly with labels, like maybe they're a, a vegan anarchist or maybe they're a, a you know American patriot or they're an anti-globalist, or they're a super liberal um, anti-war person, or they're, you know, whatever. You can make up as many labels as you want. Or they're, they say, you know, they're really interested in Buddhism or Hinduism or whatever. Uh, but when we apply those labels to ourselves, we dehumanize ourselves. We add all of this unnecessary noise into the space of our minds where we could be enjoying the the spaces in between our thoughts and the sort of liminal space that we have to work with. Um, and so when I hear Lao Tzu say, be like the forces of nature, when it blows, there's only wind. When it rains, there's only rain. When the clouds pass, the sun shines through. Um, we can acknowledge that our thoughts are our thoughts and our feelings are our feelings. But there's this, this deeper force within us that allows us to see things as they really are. Um, if we take that time to reflect and listen to ourselves. And the more I do that, the more I'm wary to adopt labels for myself. I don't consider myself a Buddhist or an atheist or, you know, um, I have Jewish heritage. I don't consider myself a Jew. There's all of these different things where people sort of, they prevent themselves from, from experiencing a certain understanding of themselves rooted in their natural intuitive awareness of how their mind works based on all of their past experiences and thoughts. And in turn, a lot of people take the much easier route of smacking a label onto themselves or a bunch of labels and saying, this is who I am. I'm going to, you know, uh, consume the various products of these ideologies and these belief systems and regurgitate them. And that will be my personality. And that's comforting in the way that eating junk food is comforting. You know, I mean, it has long-term, um, in excess, it has long-term consequences that, that a lot of people are very regretful and cautious of. But in the short term, it's a very quick and easy way to satiate that need to, 
that that hunger you know and um grasping at our thoughts in this way uh byron katie said that as long as we believe our thoughts there will always be war which i think is a little bit dramatic but i think it's also very interesting because we create these conflicts with ourselves first whenever we believe ourselves to be one thing over another thing we create these distinctions and these preferences which become conflicts internally even if we don't realize it um you know if you define yourself very staunchly as um a liberal for example everything that you encounter in the world that runs contrary to your ideology is going to cause you suffering if you identify as a conservative everything you encounter in the world that runs contrary to that ideology is going to cause you suffering but it's the same world and you're the same person no matter which ideology you adopt um and that's a you know that's a broad way of expressing what i'm trying to express here but we do that in much smaller ways where we say you know i'm this kind of person i'm that kind of person i don't do this i don't do that these are my morals these are my values um we make these declarations without really observing ourselves and seeing those natural forces that are working within us but when we do do that and we do slow down and let go of all the labels and let ourselves exist individually and collectively um in a way that gives us the space and the time to ruminate on who we are and and what our purpose is and how we're feeling moment to moment um we start to build an, a knowledge of ourselves that is a sort of wisdom a deep spiritual wisdom i think where we're allowing their you know this i love these natural metaphors that lao zu uses when there's wind in our minds we're allowing it to be wind you know when there's a storm we're allowing it to be a storm when there's peace we allow it to be peace you know when there's a storm people usually want to be um a mental storm i mean when people are unhappy they usually want to be happy and they f- try to force themselves to be and that just makes them worse makes things worse um and when people are happy they fear losing that precious those precious moments of bliss so dearly that they um make themselves suffer and they end it prematurely because they start worrying about something um but the the thing that we understand when we observe our minds and i talk about this a lot is that our minds work without our active effort and because of all of our experiences and everything we've ever read and said and listened to uh and just felt and thought um our minds have a have a natural flow that if we can get in tune with it and sort of live harmoniously with it um we can exist in those states as they come along and we can enjoy not having to constantly be jumping around from thing to thing not wanting this when we have that or vice versa um and it takes it takes a desire to let go it takes a a conscious decision to let go to not need to control it to allow things to take their course in a way that um you know in the way that that natural animals and and objects without consciousness without this sort of self aware meta consciousness that only humans have can do where we're doing what we do and we're experiencing what we experience and we let this come and we let this go and we try to remain unattached to good things and bad things and um do what we have to do whenever we have to do it uh, and most importantly i think because everyone everyone has this sort of natural truth within them that they can uncover and everyone thinks a certain way based on their past experiences and who they are that if you try to uncover that instead of trying to force yourself to believe things that you acquire from the outside world 
your sense of belief and your sense of conviction is a lot stronger and a lot more faithful. And it's a lot, um, it's a lot less likely to crack under pressure the way that people who grasp at external ideologies and ideas are always switching from thing to thing. Um, if you direct that attention inward and you get to know yourself, that's when, you know, as Lao Tzu says in this passage, when the clouds pass, the sun shines through, you know, when all of these things that are happening outside of us are done happening and we can remain in our sort of calm awareness, uh, that's when the light starts to come through and we can really feel confident and uh, convinced in ourselves and understand ourselves in a, in an honest way. Um, In a, it's a sort of strength, I think, that comes about from doing that. The same way that taking care of your of your body produces physical strength, taking care of your mind in this way with meditation produces a, a mental strength that allows you to appreciate yourself and believe yourself because you have uncovered enough of the, the stuff that's really true for you. Um, because, you know, if you ever talk to someone who's had a really a really intense experience that they've had, you know, that most people haven't had, like maybe they've been in a, a really bad car crash or they've been to war or maybe they've had some sort of religious experience that was very convincing and they don't need anyone to convince them that it happened or that it didn't happen because they know that they experienced it and they have a certain conviction and a certain awareness of that truth within themselves that allows them to act and think with, um, a a real sense of truth uh, and faith, I guess we could call it in a non-religious sense. Um, And that's what we're doing when we understand ourselves. We're having that very individualized, very intimate experience with ourselves that allows us to say with confidence who we are, to understand actually who we are, instead of just trying on different costumes and experiencing different things and deciding to say, using concepts and symbolic language, who we are. So that's the... The lesson, I guess, of this week's episode is um, look within. I, I forget who said it, but it's like look within and see. You know, the you're not going to find what you're looking for out in the world if you only look out in the world. If we're going to be looking for things in the world and understanding ourselves in a worldly way, we need to also direct our attention inward and understand ourselves in a in an intimate spiritual way. The two need to be in balance. There can't be too much. Uh, introspection otherwise we sort of lose touch with the world and we have to enter into a an aesthetic monastic state or if there's too much external stuff we sort of just become slaves to our our lesser instincts and um, we become obsessed with pleasure and obsessed with happiness and that makes us unhappy and it makes us suffer so finding a balance between enjoying your life in the world and grasping at this and that and also directing your attention inward and really experiencing who you are um, if you, if you actively are trying to manage that and work on that, you can, it's like a skill that you train over time and you will find a balance and it will improve both your internal life and your external life. And I think most people who have embarked on this journey, so to speak, have, could attest to that. You know, there's plenty of, um, wonderful writers and people who aren't even in the spiritual realm who, um, you can speak to and they'll, they'll explain the importance of that balance. And in the past, it was a lot more tied to religion, but now that we live in this modern um, secular world, it's more important to understand the fundamental nature of 
internal life and external life, and it doesn't need to be necessarily a religious thing. It can just be a conscious uh, effort to understand ourselves and understand the world simultaneously. So I hope that was uh, interesting to you. Um, if you liked this, please share it with your friends or um, become a subscriber at patreon.com slash daily zen. And until next week, um, I don't think I have any... I don't think I have any news about the site, so I'll see you next week. Thank you.